The George Washington University Paralegal Studies programs are a proud sponsor of the DC Bar. You'll study with the nation's leading experts and get the critical knowledge and skills you need to enter legal, corporate, healthcare, or government practice with confidence and acumen. Whether you are looking to advance in your career or make a change, GW's academic rigor is matched with hands-on, real-time learning that will help you stand out among your peers and rise to the next level in your profession. To request more information about this program, please visit the link found in the description for this episode. Welcome everyone, and thanks for listening to Let's Brief It, the podcast made for law students by law students. I'm Sydney Taylor. And I'm Andrew Nettles. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the pro bono services within big law settings. To learn more about this issue, we are joined today by our guest, Christy Kane. Christy is a senior pro bono counsel at Entergy in New Orleans. Thank you for joining us today, Christy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So what do you envision when you think of your local energy provider? Is it philanthropy, community outreach, pro bono services? Probably not. However, our guest Christy Kane leads the pro bono program within Entergy's legal services department, the first and one of just three pro bono legal services programs spearheaded by a major corporation. As the leader of a first-of-its-kind program, there is no one better than Christy to discuss the ability to spot a need and turn it into a unique career. So Christy, before we brief it, Can you tell us about your background and how it steered you towards your current role as pro bono team lead at Entergy? Sure. So I started out in college here in Louisiana. I grew up in New Orleans. I went to Loyola and majored in political science. And I think that that really drew me to go to law school in Washington, D.C., because I'm a poli-sci nerd, self-professed. And uh, so I did go to George Washington Law School. I know Andrew is there as well. I graduated in the late 90s and really just enjoyed my time there in DC. And I think that that really helped me kind of more fully develop my love for politics and for advocacy. At the time, I didn't realize how much advocacy can really help people, not just your clients when you become a lawyer, but also maybe even pro bono clients or people in the community who might not be able to speak for themselves. Anyway, being in DC, I think was really inspiring for me. I did come back home to New Orleans and started working for a big firm, at least big for here in New Orleans, one of the big firms, Adams and Reese, and enjoyed being a litigator there and worked on class action defense, but always did a little pro bono work on the side. The firm really encouraged it and even asked me to be the pro bono coordinator as a volunteer for our New Orleans office at Adams and Reese. So I definitely got my feet wet in the pro bono world at my law firm, and I'm very grateful for that. And then after about 10 years or so of being at the firm and practicing there and making partner and, again, still practicing pro bono on the side as much as I could and my schedule allowed, the firm was looking for different ways to give back to the community after Hurricane Katrina. And so they were trying to figure out whether there were other nonprofits that they could help form and ran into a national network called Appleseed. And Appleseed is is still around. Adams Reese ended up putting me on loan to Louisiana Appleseed to launch that nonprofit. And what Appleseed centers do is they try to take a look at a problem and solve it at the root cause. And it's mostly within a legal pro bono setting. So they might take a look at, say, a property law that is really harmful to vulnerable people in our state and see how can we change that system? How can we change that part of the economic system of the justice system, maybe the education system? How can we make a systemic change that will help a lot of people at once? 
So it usually involves advocacy, as I mentioned earlier, advocating to a decision maker about changing the law to make it more fair, more just, more equitable. And so Louisiana Appleseed was formed, I guess, in the mid 2000s. So around 2006 is when we launched. And so, as I said, the firm put me on loan to help with that launch. And it just really took off. It was wonderful. Within a couple of years, we had a really active portfolio of projects, a lot of law firm volunteers. And it was time to decide for me whether to keep being executive director of Louisiana Appleseed or go back into my law practice. And I decided to leave the firm and to to work full-time for Louisiana Appleseed. I did that for about 11 and a half years and really just enjoyed every day, every moment. I was sitting at my desk around this time of year, actually, five years ago, and someone from D.C. who I knew professionally sent me a job announcement from Entergy, the power company here in New Orleans, which I was familiar with after being a customer and just growing up here. And the position was full-time attorney within the legal department, but the sole role of this person would be to manage and direct the pro bono practice for Entergy, for the company, for our legal department. And so I think nothing could have taken me away from my nonprofit other than a really unique way to give back to the community in the corporate setting. And so that's how I ended up at Entergy again five years ago, sitting at my computer right before Mardi Gras, as it is right now, almost here in New Orleans, filling out a job application that I had never thought that I would fill out, but it was such a unique role and such an interesting thing. So that's kind of my career path and how it led to where we are today. That's really interesting. And I'd love to just really quickly circle back to your role um, at Louisiana Appleseed. Were there any specific course, um, extracurricular or clinical involvements during your time in law school that made the transition more natural into that line of work? And how does it continue to help you in your current role at Energy? I think that law school is such a wonderful time to learn a lot about yourself and a lot about the legal system and where you want to take part within the system. I think that, you know, my time at GW, there was a a very positive push toward the clinical setting, toward working with the community. Interestingly enough, I didn't end up going that route. I kind of wish I had. I wish I would have done one of the clinics. It's not a regret. It's just something that if you're inclined to do it as a law student, take a shot. Go, Go practice law for a bit under the supervision of one of your wonderful professors and see what you can do for the community. I would have to say that what did prepare me for that transition? I guess it's the thread of pro bono that really just kind of spans throughout my career. I think it was that early introduction to pro bono, both in spirit at GW and then in practice when I went to my law firm. I think that just kind of realizing how wonderful it feels to use your professional skills to give back to the community, I just couldn't stop. <laughs> and then hopefully Appleseed and through Entergy and even the law firms, uh, once people kind of get a hold of that feeling, it's, it's really hard to let it go. So I'd say that would be the common thread. Probably that passion and that drive to help people is really what helped me make the transition from a law firm to a nonprofit. Let's face it, nonprofit leaders do not make as much money as partners in law firms. So that, you know, that that was a transition, but the quality of life that I had both personally and then also professionally, I was ready for that change. And it, it ended up being wonderful for me and for my family at the time. Kind of circling back to 
our first question, were you hired for the specific purpose of pro bono or did you find and address a need while already working for Entergy? So I was hired specifically for this purpose. The role was created by uh, our general counsel, Marcus Brown, who is still our general counsel. He's an executive vice president with lots of other roles now at Entergy. But when he was general counsel of the legal department and just the legal department, he really felt there was so much community need within our service area that we really did need to connect our attorneys and legal professionals with that need. And I should have probably said this earlier, but Entergy is a Fortune 500 company that's headquartered in New Orleans, but we provide electricity and gas for millions of customers in Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, and Arkansas. And we have attorneys and legal professionals in all of those states and in D.C. So when I started at Entergy, one of my first jobs was to go around to all these offices and kind of understand community need. And then the abilities of our lawyers and legal professionals. And that was probably one of the most fulfilling parts of the job to start was really just kind of sitting down with people face to face, finding out what our customers' most crucial needs were. And then how could we, as a law department within a corporation, try to meet that need? So I was hired specifically to do this as my job, to lead and to manage our pro bono practice and it really is a unique role. At the time, five years ago, Entergy was the only company in the country that had created such a role and then hired from outside to accomplish that. The second company to come on board was Microsoft. They, just a couple of months later, ended up hiring from within. And I think that would be an example of kind of spotting a need within maybe a legal corporate environment and addressing the need by creating a position like this. Beth Henderson is my counterpart at Microsoft, and she was already on staff as an attorney at Microsoft, a very successful attorney, but really saw the need in the community and did a lot of pro bono work and helped lead others to do pro bono work. And so when Microsoft saw that it was taking up so much of her time, they did decide to create a position and, and Beth took that position. And then AIG, I think, had a similar, they're the third company that has a full-time pro bono person like me. Erica Blau is her name. I can't recall whether Erica was in-house with AIG, had left to do something else and then came back when the position was created. So I guess the point in saying that is, yes, I was hired to do this specific position and it was very unique at the time. Since then, we've had two others join, different circumstances, different community need. But when it comes down to it, realizing that companies in the United States and really elsewhere can serve such a large role in trying to help not just those who buy our product, those who buy our electricity and our gas, but really just kind of elevate problems that need to be addressed within the region. So the idea for this episode was actually inspired by a masterclass by Elaine Walteroth, former editor-in-chief of Team Vogue. And in her masterclass, she discusses ways to design a tailor-made career around your strengths and desires by utilizing your experiences and network, which sounds like clearly what you've been up to. So how has your network and its varied interests contributed to forging a unique and fulfilling career path? I think that it is important for, especially I think for law students of, of any age and any path in their career to understand that you really do have a unique opportunity to learn the skills of what I think is a really great profession and it can do a lot of help for a lot of people. I think that as far as my networks go, 
early on, I believe kind of that, like I referenced earlier, that love for political science, that love for advocacy, for realizing that we can make changes that help people really just kind of developed into that pro bono thread when it comes to that desire to help people through those legal skills through pro bono. So I think that along the way, now it's easy for me, right, to look back because I've been at this for 20 something years. Your listeners and you all are just starting. And so I think that what helps me get to where I am is really just thinking of it as a network and trying to be in touch with people, stay in touch with people. I know that we have tools now that weren't available 20 years ago, like LinkedIn and like other professional sites that you can use to build that network. If you clerk for a law firm and you meet a partner who you remember loves to do animal law-related pro bono work, you might make a note of that somewhere. And if you see an article, you might send it to him or her through LinkedIn. Hey, I saw this. I hope your pro bono practice is going well. That's kind of a, an out there example, so to speak. But I just think that the more you can interact with folks and try to keep up with them, I think, Sydney, you're a great example of that. You, you know, clerked at Entergy last summer. You worked on so many of our pro bono matters, and you and I got to know each other a little bit, but you were very diligent and keeping in touch and coming in town when we had a big pro bono announcement of some success on a case that we had worked on and then contacting me about this. So that's just an example of just kind of keep it up and keep doing it. And then before you know it, your network, someone will introduce you to someone else. And then you can just kind of build off of that. And I think that that's when you can become a resource to others, but then also really feel fulfilled in finding that path, whatever it is. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> no, but it's true. <laughs> That's awesome. And it sounds like your career has been very fulfilling and it's been quite a fruitful career. Looking to the other side, did you believe that every single step of your career path was beneficial or necessary to reach where you currently are with your career? Is there anything that you would have done differently? And conversely, are there things that you did that you're absolutely really glad that you did if uh, they weren't mentioned already? You know, I know a lot of people love to diss on the legal profession. They love to, you know, speak ill of lawyers and even law students and and probably practicing lawyers are some of the worst about grumbling about attorneys and becoming an attorney. But at the same time, I have had a very fulfilling career. And I think were there tough days? Oh, absolutely. At the law firm, at the nonprofit, and even here sometimes in-house. So I'm not saying that it's going to be all roses and shiny. I do think that every step that I've taken has gotten me to where I am, but I can't say it was deliberate at the time. When I started at my firm, I didn't think I would be running a nonprofit 10 years later. And when I started the nonprofit, I never thought I'd be in-house at a company interacting daily with general counsels across the country and others uh, within the pro bono network that I'm a part of now. I think that it's just important to keep your eyes and ears open and try to stay in touch with folks and really follow your passion. Because I think that people can pick up on that. When you have energy about something, when you're excited about something, you know, if you decide to be a mergers and acquisitions lawyer and that is your passion, embrace it and go with it. And, and people will notice that and see that and want to follow it. You'll probably become a leader in, in whatever your chosen field is. But I do believe in that and I do love my career. And the one thing that I didn't do is I didn't study abroad in undergrad or in law school. And I would encourage you, if you have the chance to do that, it would be a really great experience. I just think it enhances 
your vision and your perspective. But as far as the path of where I am right now, again, I can't say it was intentional. It wasn't part of some 20-year plan that I would go from being an associate at a law firm to in-house counsel at a big company. But I think it was just paying attention to little things along the way, building that network and following my passion that got me to where I am. And who knows what's next? (laughs) Having such a unique career, how do you encourage team members to engage with your projects when these projects can often be dissimilar to team members' routine tasks? That is a great question because we do have about 75 lawyers in-house at Entergy. We have about 75 paralegals and admins. So a department of about 150 people, I guarantee you none of them specialize in asylum cases, expungements, family law, some of the things that we work on, criminal law. None of us are experts in that. And so it does take a little bit of nudging, I feel like, to get folks sometimes to participate. But I think that if you point out to them that they're not alone, they're part of a team, that I can be a resource, that the nonprofit that we're working with can be a resource, there are training materials everywhere when it comes to the types of pro bono cases that we work on. And nonprofits are really good about putting together trainings. They realize that folks in-house and at law firms probably don't specialize in the type of help that the community needs. And so I think that building that bridge between the nonprofit community and between companies and law firms is really critical to motivate volunteers. I think another thing that makes volunteers participate even in an area of law that they don't know a lot about to start is by personalizing it, by hopefully helping them understand that there's a real person out there that's counting on their help. This isn't a concept. There is a real person. And Sydney, you and I, the case that we worked on, I I tried to emphasize that to the team as much as I could. This is a real person who's in jail right now and has been for a long time who wants to get out because he's innocent and he's proclaimed his innocence for decades now. And our team helped a bigger team and he was released. And so I think just kind of bring it back down to a personal level so that people can relate to people and understand that when you help someone, even if it's for an hour to notarize their divorce papers, but they're able to move on with their life, that's huge. So I think that, that that kind of adds to the motivation is when you can give people the resources that they need and the encouragement that they need, but then also help them understand how much their services are needed and how much they're going to help that person or that family, even if it's just an hour or maybe it's 40 hours, every little bit helps. What would you say are your goals for the future? And if anything, what will help you get there? And do you potentially see yourself entering potentially new practice areas down the road? So when I started at Entergy, one of the first things that they tell you when you start to do self-evaluations, where else do you want to be in the company? Which I think was in, it's an interesting approach because I thought, I just got here. What do you mean? <laughs> But I think, you know, Andrew, to your question, it's always good to look ahead, not just to be kind of head down doing your work every day, but to think about where do I want to be? And right now, I'm not sure I've been in this role for five years. I feel like there's still a lot of work to be done. When I think about my next role at Entergy or particularly in a different place, potentially, hopefully Entergy, I could see maybe playing a larger role within corporate philanthropy, like maybe beyond pro bono, maybe more in the skills-based volunteerism world in a larger sense. 
we have a great department, a thriving department in energy that does that work. They might try to get, say, accountants to do pro bono work with a nonprofit or a small business, small minority-owned business. So I'm saying that we do have people at Entergy that do that every day, all day. It would be interesting to me to take a larger role potentially within that realm of helping to harness the talents of others within a Fortune 500 company and see what we could do to make a difference for our customers and for our community. Another thing that's really near and dear to me because it's part of what I do is the company's sustainability initiatives. And ESG is a big topic within the corporate world right now where companies are focusing on environmental, social, and governance issues. And what we do within our pro bono program falls squarely within the S and ESG, which is social, social impact. How do we as a company give back to society, back to our customers, back to the communities in which we live and profit, honestly? And so that aspect, again, there are people at Entergy who think about that all day, every day. But I do think that that's part of my responsibility and my role as pro bono counsel is to be in touch with the philanthropy people, be in touch with the sustainability and ESG people and see how can our pro bono program complement their work. But keeping in mind that who knows, maybe there will be an opportunity to participate in a larger role someday. I also really love law students. <laughs> I love working with law students. I love talking with them. I love learning from them. I love trying to reassure them that it's going to be okay. And so I could almost see you know, I would love to to do that more in the future as well, whether it be here in Louisiana or elsewhere. It would be really fun, I think, to play a role within law schools, inspiring law students to to follow their dreams, but also to help give back to the community. So again, I don't know where it takes me, but those are the two things that are kind of swirling around in my brain right now. So we'll see. Let's Brief It is a podcast created for law students. What advice do you have for those law students who feel limited in their career choices in the legal field and who are interested in forging a more unorthodox path? Don't be afraid to reach out for help. I would say don't be afraid to reach out to your professors, to those who lead your legal clinics, maybe the leaders of the journals at your school, the professors that oversee those, maybe just kind of starting to do a bit of listening to understand maybe what's out there and don't lose sight of, again, that passion. What, what brought you to law school in the first place? There was something, something was there and you know yourself better than anybody else. Maybe just hold on to that. Don't give up on that and try to just gather information, talk to people, start to build that network and then see what happens. Well, Ms. Kane, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure. And we'd like to thank the DC Bar communities for hosting us. Have a great day. This episode of Let's Brief It is brought to you in part by our sponsor, the George Washington University Paralegal Studies Programs. For more information, visit the link found in the description for this episode. The DC Bar Law Student Community strives to engage and support law students before you graduate and expose you to the tangible benefits of joining the DC Bar and DC Bar communities. Curated programming allows law students to participate in substantive content programming, leadership trainings, networking with practicing attorneys in fields of interest, writing opportunities, and other activities designed to expand your legal education beyond the classroom. Make an investment in your legal career by joining the law student community. To learn more, visit us at www.dcbar.org.
or email communities at dcbar.org. We look forward to hearing from you.